Welcome in, boys and girls. It is another edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are we doing this fine evening? You know, I'm doing well. Uh, really kind of itching for these conference schedules to get finished because uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to the tournament. Um, we were just talking before the pod. There's a million teams that are going to get into the NCAA tournament that don't deserve it. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing them playing good teams that deserve to be there and making money against them. It is a weird year because there are almost no teams who you feel like, man, this is like a, there's, there's certainly not a home run team. There's not a, uh, and usually those home run teams end up losing, but like when Duke had Zion or uh, Gonzaga the last couple of years, it's just, there's not a team that's like a prohibitive favorite. It feels like a wide open tournament, which is great for the top 10 or 12 teams. But it also means there's like there's a bunch of garbage beyond that that's going to end up being in the tournament. Uh, you know, we were talking about Wisconsin, USC, Mississippi State. Uh, these are all probably tournament teams. There's still people projecting North Carolina in the tournament, despite the fact they're like 0 and 10 in quad one games. It, it like. I don't know. It just feels like suddenly the the the, the tournament's been expanded to two million teams, uh, but there's room for everybody unless you're a mid major. Right. We don't, don't we even can't, think about that. Yeah, we can't have a second team. Uh, you know, from the Missouri Valley, we wouldn't want that. So it's a, it's a weird situation. But I digress. Let's get into what we normally do. Go through the big games coming up this weekend, and we will uh, save you a little money with a promo code. And get you out of here with some best bets. Let's start in the Big 12, where the old Baylor Bears are at it again. This time they are at Texas. We're going to project, or no, excuse me, Texas is at Baylor. We're going to project Baylor as around a three-point favorite. This is interesting to me because I've been right when I was like, oh man, Baylor is legit. I was worried about Baylor. I, I I don't know what was wrong with me. This is all, everything's solved. Everything's figured out for Baylor. And then their last two games, they have been non-competitive uh, against the two Kansas schools. That said, those were both road games. Um, you know, they, they lost to Texas at Texas. Do you think that they write the ship at home against bevo good question i'm actually trying to go to this game so if anybody has a ticket they're trying to offload let me know um they have some weird general admission thing at the rat like the top seats at baylor where everyone just like probably races in to get seats at a certain point and coming from dallas hour and a half drive not sure that i'm going to be there at time to actually do that portion but uh now that i got that personal segue out of the way um <laughs> Baylor was pretty close to winning at Texas the first time these two teams played. Um, interesting in watching the K-State game, uh, Fran Fraschilla saying that Baylor is the worst defense in uh, the Big 12, which the Big 12 is known for having great defenses, but um, also a very weird week for Baylor with two road games back-to-back against the Kansas schools. Um, they led in both games for most of the first half and then completely fell apart in the second half. I think that's what happens when you are so three point reliant and you go four for 21. Uh, actually, excuse me, you know, K state went four for 21 against Baylor from three and still won Cause they were attacking the glass, wow. which is yeah. like, I mean, that 
that is a weird setup there. Uh, I imagine since this is Texas's penultimate trip to Waco, um, we got one more season in the Big 12 that there's going to be a rabid, rabid fan base there. Part of why I kind of want to go. Also, Texas is in the running for the Big 12 right now. But um, I think this is a Baylor or nothing play for me. Uh, I've been very, very respectful of home court this whole season. Um, Baylor, I think, is one of the Texas schools. They all seem to hate my alma mater as much as the next one. Uh, and I think this is a really big deal for them. Uh, and they're coming off of two straight losses where they were pretty good in the first half and then had bad second half. So I feel like they'll play a much more complete game in this one. And so I, I lean to the Bears. Yeah, I generally lean that way, too. The The first game was so close. Like it's a 76-71 Texas win. I, it was about as good of a game as you could have. Um, Keontae George didn't play well in that game. He had 17 points, which is great but it was like five of 18 shooting, very inefficient. He had an 84-0 rating in that game, just wasn't the guy. Uh, And, you know, there was some unexpected contributors for Texas in in that game. Serge Abari Rice had 21 points in that game, including making four of five from three. Uh, And that was, it, it felt like, you know, since Chacha has been back, it's been a different Baylor defense. At least it had been up until yeah, the Kansas game and really the, about halftime of the Kansas game. Because if you remember, Baylor started out that game really well. It looked like they were going to cruise to a win and they just melted and haven't been the same since. Uh, I'd, I'd le- It'd be Baylor or pass for me here, but I worry that something is going wrong with Baylor at the wrong time. Uh, we have seen Texas struggle away from home the last couple trips. They they won at Kansas State, which is a great win in hindsight. Like no, nobody else is winning there, but the losses at Iowa State, loss at Kansas, loss at Tech, um, they've just not been all that incredible on the road this year. So uh, it's it's Baylor or nothing for me. It's probably going to end up being nothing. Would be my best guess. Yeah, I mean Texas has had some concerning. I mean it's amazing that Texas is tied for the first place in the big 12, considering how many games they've trailed at halftime uh, pretty much the entire first half of the, uh, the big 12 uh, schedule. They were trailing at halftime. They had a big deficit that they avenged against K state. Um, I don't really think that's going to work very well if they go to Baylor and fall behind early. Uh, I do think the Texas team is good and they're really solid. They could play well defensively, but I think it's one of those games where Baylor makes a bunch of shots and Texas can't keep up. All right, let's go to the SEC for a matchup of teams that I think nobody really thought were going to be in the tournament or at least comfortably in the tournament. And one of them certainly in the tournament at this point, Texas A&M, I mean, as fluky as it's been, their schedule really shook out well for them. uh, And it felt like they were maybe primed to just get smashed against Tennessee after they really avoided every good team that they could have played to this point on their schedule. And then they, they go and, and really just kind of control the game against Tennessee played a Tennessee kind of game in the sixties and one by five that sort of opened my eyes. And when you really think about, you know, Buzz Williams, you, you've got a great coach, you've got a great uh, offensive rebounding team um, you've got a team that is creating turnovers on the defensive end. It feels like maybe this team is more real than I wanted to give it credit for being, uh, taking on a Mississippi state team, by the way, will the projection for this game, I think it's maybe 
A&M minus one, maybe a pick somewhere in there between A&M and Mississippi State. Uh, and Mississippi State is another team who you said before we got on the air, you said they're, they're just not good. They've won six of eight, though. Like they they beat TCU. They they've they've won some games. They beat Marquette early this season. They beat Utah. They've got some wins that are that have aged pretty well, and now they are right there in on in bubble territory where a couple more wins probably gets them in. This is the toughest game remaining on their schedule against A and M. After this, they've got South Carolina at home, and then a road game against Vanderbilt. But uh, if they can get this win against Texas A&M, it feels like that pretty much locks them into a spot. What are your thoughts on these two teams, two teams that we haven't really talked about at all this season? Uh, Mississippi State is hard to hard to explain. Um, they Tolu Smith is awesome um, and seems to be their go-to guy at all times. Problem is A&M has a bunch of big guys throw at them, which most in, in this world of everyone wants to shoot threes. Um, I, I do think A&M has a pretty state, like deep stable of, of big guys in marble and in uh, Henry Coleman that they can throw. I, I guess Coleman's more of a, I think a power forward, but still at six foot eight, he could probably get in there with Tolo Smith. Um, when I think about Mississippi state, they haven't been able to shoot threes. Um, that's been a knock on them for a long time. It's a little bit better this year. Their defense is great, but you could say the same sort of thing about Texas A&M. You mentioned the offensive rebounding. That's huge. Um, they also can't shoot at all, but it almost seems like when they miss shots, it's better for their offense because they get offensive rebounds. They get to the line a ton, which I think it's going to be harder to do away from home. You don't get as many whistles. I mean, they had, I think Tennessee in the bonus, like, like five minutes into the second half in that last game and, and honestly came back from a, a pretty poor start to beat Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee's, excuse me, I think Texas A&M is a little bit more vulnerable on the road because they don't get those whistles. Um, their offense is pretty poor and I think they're going to be really physical and that that might be a game that Mississippi State is ready for. Uh, plus, I think the, the whistles will not necessarily go in the Aggie direction. Um, I don't know necessarily that I'd like Mississippi State enough to back them here, but I thought they had a pretty good showing uh, taking Missouri to overtime. Um, so anyone could have won that game. I feel like it's a Mississippi State. I mean, say say what you want. I say it a lot about home home teams this year, but uh, I don't see a reason to look at the road team here, especially uh, if they're a favorite. Yeah, this is uh, Mississippi State is kind of like when you look at their their analytics, they're very poor man's Tennessee, uh, elite defensively bad on offense, although Tennessee a little better defensively, I would say even a lot better offensively, even though Tennessee's pretty bad offensively, that tells you how bad Mississippi state is. Yeah. Uh, but AM's had, I mean, listen, they're, they're two losses in sec play, both road losses. One was to Kentucky. The other was at Arkansas, but they've got road wins at Florida. Uh, South Carolina, Auburn, which at the time was like seemed like a really good win. That's a tough place to play. Uh, a win at LSU and then a win at Mizzou again in a spot where everybody thought AM was going to shrivel up and die. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I feel like if anything, I'm just I'm tired of thinking that the Aggies are no good and then seeing them go win games. So this. I think it's going to be road team or nothing for me. I think I'm kind of the opposite. I don't know that I'll end up playing this game, uh, especially I don't know which side of the which side of the uh, the the zero this game opens at. But I'm certainly not comfortable backing Mississippi State here against a, a team like I said. A&M just handled 
the real Tennessee. Now you're playing Tennessee junior. Uh, I, it feels like maybe it's a good, a good matchup for Texas A&M. So I think it's interesting to see just kind of how real Aggie is uh, and see, see how they're positioned going into the sec tournament, because I mean, this team has potential, like if we, if we give them a loss at the end of the season to Alabama, although they are home against Alabama, I mean, this team could be 15 and three going into the sec tournament, like 15 and three in sec play. No one would have seen that coming for Texas A&M. So they've exceeded all the expectations. Uh, I'm not looking to to jump in front of them right now. All right, let's go to the ACC. And I wanted to talk about North Carolina. And it's funny that we had that conversation before uh, about bad teams making it in. It feels like this, this game is the game that North Carolina has to have if they're going to get in the tournament. Uh, Virginia is we're going to project a a two-point dog against North Carolina at North Carolina. Virginia just came off one of the most head-scratching performances of the season, not just losing to Boston College, but getting drubbed by Boston College by 15 points. And if you'd asked me a few days ago who the best team in the ACC was, I would have said it's Virginia, and I would have said it pretty confidently. Now I really don't know. Like I know it's just one game, but that's one game against, you know, the second, third worst team in the conference, and you lost by 15. It, it certainly opens up some questions. And maybe it's maybe it's look ahead to to North Carolina. I can't imagine when North Carolina this down, Virginia was like ultra, especially a you know, a well-coached team like Virginia was was looking ahead to Saturday's game against UNC. UNC needs this game desperately, though. Uh, this is a game that Virginia won when they were, when they were at John Paul Jones arena and it really came down to North Carolina. Couldn't take care of the basketball, uh, 13 turnovers. And I I don't know if they can stop Virginia inside, which seems weird because North Carolina has the size to stop. They didn't have any success stopping them inside in the first game. How do you see this matchup playing out? What what do you make of Virginia's loss this week? Uh, is there reason to doubt how good Virginia is? And do you think North Carolina has one last push in them? Uh, a lot there. Uh, first of all, it's a good thing Boston College doesn't have any fans because I think they would feel pretty uh, – pretty wronged by saying that they're one of the worst three teams in the ACC. I feel like the ACC is so bad that BC kind of looks like maybe fifth floor or something like that. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Florida State, Notre Dame, I think are all teams that I would consider worse, but um, I won't, I won't argue about <laughs> it because there's way more to talk about here. Um, I think Virginia, it, they're a jump shooting team. Unfortunately, they're not the same defense they were before, which does worry me for tournament progression when you face other good teams. If you don't have a good shooting night, that seems to be what happened in what was probably like a mausoleum, essentially, because there are probably 14 Virginia fans and, and nobody else in that stadium uh, in Boston on Chestnut Hill or whatever. Um, I, I'm maybe looking past it a little more than I should, but I mean, they got four losses in the ACC, 13 and four, pretty good record. Um Really, I feel like Virginia's been a lot better than I expected them to be, and and one slip up doesn't really hurt me too much. If Carolina's favorite here, uh, I have no choice but to consider abandoning my home teams only type of strategy. 
because I don't think Carolina is any good. I don't think they have a good coach. I don't think they take good, good shots, which I think also comes down to coaching. Um, one thing I think you didn't mention was in the first matchup, Baycott rolled his ankle, Armando Baycott yeah, rolled his true. ankle and like missed, I think played one minute or so of, of the game. And I felt like Virginia still kind of struggled with UNC in that one. And it wasn't really as easy to win as a seven point victory looks like. Um, but I also think that this has been like a, a strategy for Virginia. They've, they've killed North Carolina teams in the past by doubling bigs in the post. I don't know necessarily that they really throw the, the ball into Baycott too much, but I think Virginia is going to force UNC to make perimeter jump shots. And I don't believe they can do it at home. Certainly on a Saturday against Virginia. Now they'll have a big crowd. They'll have a big atmosphere and advantage there. Um, probably inside of possession. I might skip, but I think Virginia first half is something that will be uh, I'll be staring at for a long time on Saturday. I, I, I mean, you, they certainly forced him in the perimeter. And and one of the guys whose who's box score I was looking at in that game was Leaky Black, who obviously they don't want to be counting on on the offensive end. He shot five threes in that game, went one of five. Mm-hmm. That was the second most three-point attempts he's had all season. If you can force Leaky Black to take five shots from deep, you're, you're probably going to have a good night defensively if you're Virginia. So, um yeah, I, I don't I don't believe North Carolina should be favored. I worry about fading them in a desperation spot. But to me, Virginia is a much better team. This feels like it should be a, a role spot for them. But uh, and you like when you when you saw this number, you were a little surprised at the number I gave you. You expected it to be a little uh, maybe the other way even. I, I definitely I mean, I understand Carolina's. Uh, the biggest brand probably in the sport Duke probably would, would argue that, but I feel like Carolina would be the one. If I gun to my head, I would say that Um, it's a tough place to go into certainly. And I definitely, I think we both lost on Clemson at Carolina uh, a couple Saturdays ago, but I I've had a very good season going against Carolina. I think I was five and zero at one point betting against them. Uh, And I have no, I see no reason to stop doing it. Um, I do worry a little about Virginia not being as great, but I, I feel like I know what we're going to get from Virginia and those are good things. And the, what I know we're going to get from Carolina are either five, three point shots from leaky black or 10, which are probably lower percentage for Caleb love, despite shooting better because he just takes them from anywhere. And I honestly, I can't wait as I kind of like Carolina, the colors and stuff. I good friend went there. I feel like for his sake and everybody at Carolina, get Caleb Love to the NBA so they can rebuild and start over maybe with a new coach. Yeah, I think we've talked about it in, in a couple times on this pod. Like y- your best chance to win is to go through Baycott and they are still insistent on getting Ka- like running everything through Caleb Love, which doesn't make much sense to me. Uh I don't know what kind of under the table deals were made or what, <laughs> but it it'll be good for Carolina when that's gone. All right, let's get to the game of the week in my opinion, or game of the weekend. And this one is, to be fair, we're recording this on Thursday night. San Diego and Gonzaga have not played yet, although Gonzaga, I think, is currently like a 26-point favorite. Uh, And St. Mary's and Pacific have not played yet, and that's right around the 20 mark. So let's just assume that both these teams take care of business. I know that's not always safe, but let's assume both teams take care of business. We'll have St. Mary's. Going to Gonzaga, and we're going to project Gonzaga as a two, maybe a three-point favorite. Uh, And this game is a rematch, obviously, from the game in St. Mary's that looked like it was going to be a runaway win for the Zags. St. Mary's 
basically turns into the Aiden Mahaney show. Come all the way back. Uh, they were down, I want to say they were down 11 points, but they're down double digits at some point in the game. Come all the way back, send it to overtime, and dominate the overtime. They get a 78-70 win over Gonzaga. Um, I, as I mentioned, Mahaney was, you know, he was strong down the stretch. Mitchell Saxon, their big, was basically unstoppable. Although Drew Timmy was essentially unstoppable for Gonzaga, what do we make of this matchup? This is, I think, this is really important, obviously, because both, and I think the games tonight are both important because this would tie up the conference and then it would go to net rating. So obviously, it feels like Gonzaga is maybe a little, people are more down on Gonzaga than they've been the last three or four years. Like, this is the first time it feels like people think, oh, St. Mary's is better. They should win. Do you feel that way? I don't. Um, I've always been in the camp of St. Mary's for years and years and years. I feel like because they've always been considerably uh, rated considerably lower than Gonzaga. Um, I think this is a great opportunity, especially because I think you were kind of, um, I wouldn't say live texting me the, uh, the game that, that, that Saturday on the 4th of, of this great month of February. But um, I do vividly remember uh, Gonzaga leading the whole game and then going overtime. And of course they don't, uh, underdogs don't last a long time in overtime. Unfortunately, they don't, they don't call it undertime for underdogs or unders. And it really goes very well for favorites most of the time. But I think with that loss non-cover um, maybe that buys us a little bit cheaper of a price in Gonzaga. And I feel like in that stadium in, in the kennel, it's a really tough team to go against. Um, Torvik has St. Mary's only a 1.3 point underdog. I feel like that seems short to me, but I'm looking at back in Zaga. I feel like it's a little weird seeing that they only attempted 11 three-pointers in that first matchup in 55 minutes with the extra five-minute overtime period. Um, I do think that was probably something that St. Mary's sought out to do their best to try to deny three-point attempts. Um, I imagine they probably play the same way, especially because they won. Randy Bennett probably thinks that he's a genius for the 15th time <laughs> in the last month. So he probably plays the same way. I think Gonzaga is probably ready for that. And I mean, Drew Timmy, we've seen him dominate college basketball for a long time. I feel like that is, is a trustworthy individual, especially in front of that student section. My thought is this one doesn't close uh, sub a possession or even at three. Um I'm going to be looking out to see Gonzaga priced in that type of range. While certainly they could lose by or could could win it, could lose the game, could win by one or two, and not cover the spread. But I feel like it's a pretty cheap price for them to be priced at, as as a possession favorite or less if we get it. So I'll be looking out for that one. Yeah, I'll be there with you. Uh, I like Gonzaga here. I still think this this is a more talented team, and I think it's kind of gone under the radar that they're still the best offensive team in the country by, you know, adjustive efficiency. They they are still a dominant offense and it's not, there's no number, number two, number three draft pick on this team, but there is a ton of talent still and a, a lot more talent than there is on the St. Mary side. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't look up when the last, I don't know if Gonzaga's ever lost both games in a season to St. Mary's. I would doubt it. I don't think that this Gonzaga team is somehow bad enough or this St. Mary's team is somehow great enough to end that streak. Uh, I think you're going to get an absolutely focused effort out of, I mean, obviously out of both teams, but 
the Gonzaga has one more game after this. It's a non-conference game against Chicago State. Mm. So they are they're going to be all out to win this game. The home crowd is going to be wild, uh, and I, I think they get the job done here. So I'd be willing to lay three. I might even be willing to lay four with the Zags here. But I, I, I'm going to try to get to that number early. Ken, you said uh, Torvik has it at one uh, or one point three, I believe. I saw. Yep. yep. And uh, it, it, Ken Palm has it at two. So if we can get a possession, if if it's a possession, it's something I'm going to be jumping on. Um, I am with you on that. Yeah, and it's it's, it's interesting also because um, just in terms of rankings, I imagine Ken Paul's probably pretty similar. But Torvik has St. Mary's as number six, Gonzaga number fourteen. That's a good sign that if they're better than them going on the road, probably that number might be a little bit less than three. And uh, I don't know necessarily that I like from looking at what St. Mary's have done, has done this year. I don't know that I necessarily believe in. I mean, the analytics community is all into them for sure. Uh, and that win in the first matchup, I think, might get us some points. So, I mean, ultimately, uh, looking for the, the Zags, just like you are. All right, let's uh, let's take care of some business before we jump into best bets. Where just a you know little preview, another two and a week for the boys. Let's go, baby. Uh, yeah. So for all the listeners of College Basketball Podcast, use promo code Bubble Twenty. Bubbles are popping. I guess they're not officially dead yet, but we're almost that time of the year. I can't wait. AJ can't wait. Um, if you guys want to ride with us, I mean, we have a bunch of packages out there. You could buy our college basketball picks the rest of the season. I know AJ does a lot of UFC stuff, which I know nothing about. Uh, I do some soccer stuff, which AJ one time was a guest, uh, on a world. I know a lot about. Yes. Yes. He's waking up at 3 AM local time in Vegas for uh, Saturday football. I know that. And, and not that stuff you use your hand for, um, but use promo code bubble 20, get all our picks on there. Of course, plenty of great handicappers at pregame.com as well. And it's good for seven days for this podcast release. So throw it in there get your 20% off ride with us. Find some, find some picks, find some tips. Um, I try to get write-ups and everything I'm doing. I think AJ does as well. So uh, make sure you look around uh, bubble 20 and that'll get you done. So two and oh on the, on the best bets. I'll, I'll let you lead us off AJ. Um, keep, keep it trying to roll. Cause I think that's three straight two and O's. Is that right? I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to go to back to the Ivy league. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Brown bears. They are projected about an eight point favorite on the road at Columbia. And I know what you're thinking, dude, a road fit. Fa- yes. A road favorite. Here's why Brown and Cornell are tied for the last spot in the Ivy League of in the Ivy League that would send them to the tournament. Like only four teams go to the tournament in the Ivy League. Brown and Cornell are tied. They both get a matchup against Columbia, who is the worst team in the league by far, who happens to be coming off a win over Dartmouth. They're excited. They got that win. They're feeling really good. Broke a long, long losing streak. This is the schedule, the remaining schedule for Brown and Cornell. Brown plays Columbia. Then they play Yale, the best team in the conference, or one of the best teams in the conference. Cornell plays Yale, then Columbia. So these the Columbia games are massively important for both these teams. If you assume that Yale is going to be the, the tougher game, Yale may have clinched the conference by the time uh by the time they play Brown. But they have not, as far as now, I mean, Brown has to play this like it's blood. They have to win this game, and and I think they're going to look to to jump out and hammer this Columbia team that's absolutely beatable. Uh, they beat them 97-85 at home, mostly on the strength of rebounding. It was a 47-33 to 
rebounding edge for the Bears. And, you know, there was a game where where, uh, where Columbia actually shot the ball pretty well, 9 of 25 from 3, and Brown still ran away from them. Brown plays a tempo that's uncomfortable for Columbia. Uh, I like Brown here, uh, minus 8. That is going to be my best bet. I think the spot lines up. I think the matchup is good. I think Brown desperate for a win. So give me the Bears minus 8 on the road. Hopefully they uh, wait till after the game to go celebrate um well i guess they'll be they won't be in providence but uh you think these out. are the cocaine bears or this is the brown uh, bears yeah. no i was actually gonna say something about a pizza place on thayer street uh, i grew up right next to brown but um yeah they're on the road so probably you don't have to worry about them uh eating too much pizza the night before uh it's good chicken bacon ranch at antonio's i'll put it that way um for my best bet i'm gonna go to the big 12 um and honestly it's a team that i've not done great against recently and that is the texas tech red raiders um, they've been really good to me over the years, um, especially when Chris Beard was there, but now he's out of my life, hopefully forever. Um, I, I think what I've watched and certainly a lot of these games, everyone's trying to sell to keep tuning in on ESPN or whatever. Uh, but saying that Texas tech is, is making a run to get in the NCAA tournament. Incredible. Considering they started Oh, and eight in conference and, uh, were 10 and 10, but they've, won uh five of their last seven which means a lot and it certainly stacks up some uh quadrant one wins in the big 12 this weekend they're hosting tcu who i feel like is just one of those paper tigers that did really well in a big win at kansas um then unfortunately their their resume looks a lot worse after mike miles got hurt he doesn't really seem the same to me at this point uh, and I think going into an arena, I think it's United Supermarkets or something like that, whatever it is, um, Bob Knight Arena, they they were, I mean, so supportive of an 0-8 conference team and uh, were favored to Baylor, were um, ultimately have gone on a great run since then, did lose that Baylor game, but sim- seemingly turned everything around since then. Uh, I don't think TCU is very good. I don't think they shoot well enough. I think that they try to live on the fast break. I think Texas Tech is going to pressure you like crazy and prevent that from happening. So I'm going to lay Texas Tech minus one is what AJ was projecting, uh, but I'll play it all the way up to minus three. I don't think TCU goes in there to get a win. Uh, so I'll back Texas Tech and just let's see them finish the year, win out, get in the tournament and uh, go on a deep run, maybe to the NCAA finals somehow. All right, there you go. A uh, couple best bets for your boys. Like like we said, three straight weeks going 2-0 and in best bets on the pod. Uh, I think that's our second run this season of three weeks uh, of 2-0. and Maybe we had a four-week, so we'll try and match that this week. That's always that's the good. plan. Uh, Griffin, great time as always. Uh, just to give you guys a heads up, we will be doing something extra come conference tournament time. We're going to try and record a Tuesday night episode uh, maybe up pretty late, probably more like Wednesday morning, but that should get you there in time for the uh, the conference tournaments, which tip off, I believe, on Thursday morning uh, it, with the ACC. ACC's first to tip, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's always like, oh my God, there's already a game going on. Did I bet it? Did I forget to? All that sort of stuff. So we're gonna try to get out there in in your hands, in your ear in your ears, in your AirPods, wherever you're listening, we appreciate it. And uh, we'll we'll do some extra work, but I think it also will help us to be a little bit sharper ourselves to uh, keep making some money. For sure. All right. So for Griffin Warner, I'm AJ Hoffman. Thank you guys for listening. Please tell your friends and uh, good luck with your bets. And let's be careful out there, as my friend Steve Fezzik likes to say. 